Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We are here today to talk about a few different things. First and foremost, when I start preaching or doing anything, I like to start with the problem. I like to start with the thing that is like the elephant in the room. What is going on that sometimes we don't like to talk about because it's a little maybe a little gloomy, maybe we don't know what to do about it. I like to start with the issue, I like to diagnose it, and I like to jump then right into what is God doing about it. There is no issue on this earth that God, one, is not aware of, but two, does not have a plan to operate, to move, to reform, to create solutions for. Do we believe that in today? Do we believe that in this church? That there is no problem in our lives. No problem in our lives that God does not have the solution for. That is the power of the gospel. The gospel, the best way to present the gospel is one, there's a problem, and two, there's a solution. It doesn't work the other way around. It doesn't work without recognizing the need for Christ, the various need in our soul to be filled by the God who created us, that this is the power of the gospel, is in the darkness it shines. That's a whole, in, in, in the book of John, that's the whole motif, is that light came into a dark world. So we're going to start with the darkness, and we're going to get to the light. First and foremost, the heart of this message is, although we may be kind of individualized, I think, well, it's, it's a good coincidence that we're coming up to 4th of July, which is independence, right? Everyone loves independence. We love freedom. We love liberty. We love don't tread on me, you know, the concept. Like, no one's going to tell me what to do, which I believe is amazing. I believe that there's a, there's a good reason why we walk in, in a sort of independence, and I love that. But the flip side of any good thing is that at times it gets a little haywire. At times we recognize, especially in our 2023 Western mindset, we get to this point where independence to choose God and do all these amazing things begins to be independence and freedom from the systems that God's created to keep us steady in his order and stable. That sometimes we get to this point where we're like, you know, it's just me, my Bible, and God. And then we get to this place where what about the people he's called to be around your life? What about the words he's called people to speak into your life, the teachers in your life, the, the leaders? That sometimes we can get so individualized that we begin to push away what God has meant to be a community. And in the community, oftentimes, we don't do what we want to do. We sacrifice what we want to do for the sake of someone else. We submit. We find authority. And authority leads us and guides us. So this is the heart of this message. I don't know if anyone is a uh, literary person in here. Anyone like novels? My, one of my favorite novels, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls by Ernest Hemingway. I love that book. And in the beginning, he quotes this very famous poem by John Donne, which is an awesome Christian poet back in the day. And, and you might have heard parts of this. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a piece of land were to be washed away, Europe would be the less, as well as if a village were, as well as any manner of your friends or yourself. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Every time I hear these words, any man's death diminishes me because I am a part of mankind. I think about being part of the body of Christ, being a part of the local body. That what goes on within our world, what goes on in our Western world, 
doesn't just affect the places, but it affects us. What goes on in the body of Christ throughout the entirety of this globe, and then especially on the continent of North America, affects us. The good things affect us, but how many of you want to know the, the, the things that aren't so good affect us? The problems affect us. Do we have a heart today to say the issues you know, that we may see going on in the church today, to look at and be like, hey, how does that affect us, and how are we responding to them? Yeah, I don't care if it's only in California, or it's in Portland, or it's in Texas, or in any other part that's not here. These things affect the body of Christ, and we need to be putting our prayer, our focus, seeking the Lord. What are you saying? What are you saying? Just because our congregation may be going strong, other congregations not so much, are we putting our effort and our prayer and our attention to what God's doing in the other places? Are we, like Acts says, belonging to one another, holding all things in common? When one falls, we're there, we mourn with them, and we grow with them. So that is the heart of this message today. All right, so, so the problem. In our Western church, with our modern 21st century mindset, we're so advanced, we're head and shoulders above our predecessors, but we're growing ever more individualistic. And in that individualism, we have widely forsaken one of the most vital positions that are in the church. We've widely kind of pushed away something that God has established in the foundation of the local church, maybe even without knowing it. One of the most vital positions given to us by our creator and a space left vacant. So if God gives us something and a space is left vacant, guess what happens? Does it stay vacant? No. If things get abdicated, if things get left open, something is there to sprout up. Something is there to fill in its space. Pastor Lou often says nature abhors a vacuum. What that means is if you leave something alone, Nature will come and fill it. Naturally, something will come to fill it. So how many of you know that if God's given us a tool or strength or something that he wants us to operate in, if no one picks it up, guess what? Things are going to begin to fill in that spot. And generally, if it's not God, it's something else. It's something else that is less beneficial for us. Something that seeks to destroy and something that seeks to split and break apart. And unfortunately... We have seen that happen. What am I referring to? I'm referring to the role of the shepherds in the local church. The role of shepherds who come, not only feed the sheep, clothe the sheep, build up the sheep, encourage the sheep, but shepherds that mind the gates, that will look at the fences, they patrol, they're like watchmen, that look to see what is going on. They discern, they look and, and notice like what's not only what God's doing in a congregation, but where the enemy is trying to get in. The sneaky little foxholes, right, where they try to jump in. They try to disguise themselves. They try to position themselves and begin to tear apart the church slowly but surely. Yes, it is true. Houston, we do have a problem. We are in crisis, for the world is in crisis. And we who are supposed to be the stabilizing beacons of hope and peace in a turbulent time have lost the way, for we have lost our shepherds. Now, I know there's like a lot of theories when it comes to the local church. Ecclesiology is the big word for it, right? Like, how is this church structured? Who's at the top? Where does this work? And there's a lot of different theories, and, and Scripture says a lot of different things, and different denominations have their own way of going about it, and that's a whole different conversation. 
But a lot of it has been made of um, apostles and prophets. Recently, there's been like, okay, apostles and prophets, they need to be at the top. The five-fold ministry, they need to be there. They need to get the vision, and then they, then they need to cast it, and it goes down. And I'm not going to say that I don't believe some parts of that. I'm not going to say I don't believe in the power of like uh, modern-day apostles and prophets and the five-fold ministry. I love it. But there's something about a shepherd that leads in the trenches that is on the ground floor who is there to bandage the wounded, to feed the sheep, to walk in battle in the most practical ways, in the most spiritual ways, and in the places we need them the most. We don't need more motivational speakers. Amen? We don't need more TikTok influencers. A few, of my, a few kids I've known got saved off TikTok videos, so I won't poo-poo it, like, totally. However, we don't need more of that. We don't need more TED Talks. We don't need more uh, leadership roles. We need shepherds who are called by God, pastoral or just leaders in our community, to lead us, as the Bible says so. So in preparing this message, I felt just the confrontation of our current world and society and the severe lacking of these caretakers. But I also noticed that Christians often, they're doing the same thing. I've noticed, and you've noticed in our world, society, our secular society, no one's leading anybody. You know, blind leading the blind. Uh, we were, Pastor Jeff was talking about our, the thing we're doing, uh, Love Our City, Tubman Terrace, and it was like one father for 70 families. Like, that's unsustainable as we've seen. Where are the leaders, the shepherds, the people building people and growing people? But then sometimes I look at the church as a whole and I feel like no one's, no one's submitting themselves to authority or the people that are called to lead us have rejected or abdicated their own role. Oftentimes, maybe for things that seem more flashy, things that seem a little more, you know, fun to do or, or a little more, uh, pop, they pop more than a shepherd. Sometimes being a shepherd means you get in the mud. You're a little dirty. You chase after sheep, and sheep sometimes are a little wily, a little squirrely. They run around, and you have to go and grab them. So when we abdicate this role, and as we've seen in the world, it does not end well. We see things unheard of, previously unheard of, occurring in churches. There are so many things happening now that if you're on social media at all, or even if you're just like looking out your window, you're like, why is this happening in church? Who allowed this to happen in a church? A church that's meant to be a sacred place to worship the holy God who is holy and is ordered and is completely in control. Who is allowing some of these things? It's like the, the door has been opened and it's like, all right, everything come on in. Everything come on in. Everything have a place in our most sacred sanctuary. Everything have a place in our lives. And what I've seen is when we don't have a shepherd who's to lead and guide, anything takes its place. We, we see the United Methodist Church splitting on the basis of affirming sexuality that is contrary to scripture. We see two sides, one determining that homosexuality is okay and that we're allowed to operate in that and not only operate in that, but you're allowed to be a pastor on a worship team. And not only, now I'm not talking about struggling and in repentance, I'm talking about full-blown affirmation. We know what's happening with the Episcopal Church 
ordaining pastors of all sorts that do not fit the qualifications in scripture. I was listening to something wild and I could not believe it. Uh, there's this Lutheran progressive church that took the apostles creed and you know, the apostles creed, that is the heart of our faith. That is the thing. Like if you want to show someone what do Christians believe, we pull up the apostles creed that's Trinitarian. It's father, son, Holy spirit. It's born of a virgin. It's coming back. It saved the world from sin. It died, saved us from hell. They created this new thing, which is just so like this antichrist creed. One, it has a terrible name. It's called the sparkle creed. And it's just like, if if you're going to be blasphemous, try to get a better name. Because that was, I was like, this is terrible on two fronts. But it was all about diminishing the sanctity and lordship of Christ, of God, forgetting about sin, forgetting about hell. And I think when I see these things, I'm like, who sanctioned this? Whether it was a pastor who fell in love with the ways of the wolves at the detriment of their people, or maybe the people began to reject sound teaching and enabled this to happen. We have a problem. And though this is not our church, I thank God that we have an amazing pastor, head pastor, shepherd, that leads us in the ways of truth. Although that may not be our situation, I wanted to remind us, every man's death diminishes me for I'm part of mankind. Every Christian who struggles, I'm part of the body of Christ. And I believe that these struggles that our brothers and sisters are going through, regardless of denominations, regardless of what we think, we may do a few things, some sideline things differently. Orthodox Christianity, the belief in who Jesus is and what he said and the major non-negotiables, there are non-negotiables of our faith. There are many non-negotiables of our faith. That people who are our brothers and sisters, we need to remember, we need to seek, we need to pray. Not only against deception, but pray that God, God's solution is coming and it's coming powerfully. So in the light of this, we're going to discuss this concept further. But at the heart of this conversation are two, two questions. Number one, who is shepherding you? Who is shepherding you? And number two, why should you care? Why should you look at that? Right? I'm not just talking about pastors. I love pastors. That's the office of a shepherd. But I'm also talking about influences, people in our lives that I believe God's raising up. Fathers, spiritual fathers and mothers, friends, people that are called to speak words to us, to lead us, and to confront us when we're going off. If we sneak out of the sheep gate, proverbially, where, where are the friends to be like, dude, what are you doing? Where's the accountability? Who is shepherding us? And again, if the answer is no one, there's someone. If the answer is no one shepherding you, I promise you something is. And I'll just say this, social media is a real bad shepherd. Real bad. News, real bad shepherd. Politicians, real bad shepherds. All right, so let's dive in. We know the problem, but what is a shepherd? What really is a shepherd? The problem is when I was reading this, I was like, the, the concept of shepherd and sheep worked. It was real hot during the Bible times. But we started getting out of shepherding and farming. And in our post-agrarian society, oftentimes people are like, I don't have that connection. In ministering with youth, I found that, like, really, like, there's certain phrases in Scripture that the, it, there's not, it doesn't make that connection, right? 
Um, I had a friend who did not know what um, unequally yoked meant. And um, they're, they were trying to, like, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Like, egg yolk? Like, what, what am I doing that? Is it an egg with the two yolks inside and one's bigger than the other? I don't understand. And I, and I was like, okay, we need, to, we need to discuss this. So sometimes that's a problem with shepherding. As stated, the term sounds like an outdated leadership model from a bygone era, a tool used by people of the past who, are of course, who of course we know better than, or to borrow from today's terminology, a system of religious and oppressive authoritarians keeping everyday people from finding God for themselves. Isn't that just like the world today? They take something that is meant to be good and they begin to turn it and, and see it as a detriment. That someone, possibly, who knows maybe better than us or, or has a different, you know, wisdom than us, couldn't lead us into truth. And we're like, no, I don't need anyone in between me and God. I can just go right up to God. That's, the thinking is faulty. There are people that are in our lives that bring us closer to God, and these are what these shepherds do. Thank you. So as previously stated, shepherds are the gatekeepers of God's assembly. These individuals patrol between the fences, discerning the way of sheep and the way of wolves. Shepherds are placed in our lives by the Father as guides, protectors, caretakers, leaders, teachers, and friends. They are integral to the local church. And as we look in scripture, the presence of shepherding cannot be denied. The local church does not exist without shepherds. The holy body is built of local members, and like a malnourished, immune-deficient, sickly physical body, the body of Christ without healthy local churches succumbs to illness. Local churches are built with you and I as materials, Christ as the cornerstone, and we as various people fit to create the wondrous temple of our most holy Father. This is John twenty-one fifteen through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these do? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus told him, feed my lambs. Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus kept asking the same question a third time, do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. This is funny. I love this, the character arc of Peter. He goes from, you know, this guy who thinks he knows everything, falls under the shepherd of Jesus, quarrels with him a little bit, right? So Jesus is like, I need to die. And Peter's like, far be it, God, you don't need to die. And then Jesus kind of puts him in his place saying, uh, get behind me, Satan, right? That word Satan meaning something that opposes. He says, get behind me. The same guy that denied Jesus three times. Right? I think that's kind of why Jesus was kept going on and on like three times, almost like as a way to confront those places where Peter is like denying Christ, and now he's going to be like part of the head of the church. He's kind of sticking it to him a little bit. But he gives him this task to feed my sheep. So point number one, as shepherds, there needs to be feeding. We all need feeding. No matter how old we are, there still needs to be a level of feeding. And I don't mean that that takes away from the concept of being equipped and knowing how to read the Bible properly. I'm not saying that all of us should abdicate reading scripture and praying to God in favor of someone else doing it for us. However, we cannot lose our dependency. 
We come as little children. We are dependent, oftentimes, dependent on other people. And maybe that's, way, that's God's way of kicking out pride, is that he's like, I put you in a group of people that you can pray to God, but also people around you. Maybe you need something from them. And maybe that's part of the plan, for you to need other people. So being fed is massively important. And feeding one's sheep is not merely making sure they're physically nourished, although orphans and widows, we're called, right? We're called to support, I believe, fully, that as the church continues to grow and grow healthier, there are physical and practical things we can do. But in this case, feeding one's sheep is to keep one from falling away into apostasy by false doctrine, false teaching, things that would pull us away from Jesus Christ. How does one do that? We teach the truths of scripture as shown in the apostles' doctrine. Acts 2.42, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Preaching biblical truth is not, not only nourishes us, but it shows care and enables us to grow in our faith, to remain full and satisfied in our faith, so that like hunger pangs, no one is easily allured by their cravings. When truth is not preached and we are not filled by the truth, we are allured by our cravings, and our cravings might not be to seek God more, but to actually maybe get some kind of emotional you know, catharsis, emotional good feelings, maybe intellectually stimulated by different philosophies, different teachings, that when something is not filled, something else comes in its way. So a shepherd feeds. What else? A shepherd protects from wolves. We see that in First Sam, uh, Samuel. David, everyone's favorite shepherd, what does he fight off? Lions, bears, to protect the sheep. Those lions and bears, false prophets, teachers, and demonic influences. They discern between true sheep, the people of God, and goats, the non-believers who want to bring harm. Matthew 25, 31 to 32. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before him. He will separate people one from another, like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. We need leaders, people in our lives who can discern. Sanjay said before, he, was, he was, had that scripture in Hebrews. Word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through wisdom, discernment, people in our lives to cut through the things that are keeping us down, that are keeping us in bondage, that may be leading us off track. Lastly, shepherds care for the sheep. They listen, they comfort, they encourage with physical and practical means. We're also speaking here Sometimes when, when churches get really big, pastors get pulled in a lot of different directions. And there's kind of sometimes there's distractions. Sometimes there's things going on. Maybe they get all these opportunities to go other places and, and they kind of forget what's happening in the church. We need leaders and shepherds who can comfort those in their broken places, listen longer maybe than they want to with patience, but also bringing the Holy Spirit into situations. You can't be a shepherd and pastoral if you're never with the sheep. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right path for the sake of his reputation. To finish Peter's character arc, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, 
So as your fellow elder and witness to Christ's sufferings, as one who shares in the glory that will be revealed, I urge the elders among you, give a shepherd's care to the God's flock among you, exercising oversight, not merely as a duty, but willingly under God's direction, not for shameful profit, but eagerly. And do not lord it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. Then when Christ, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that never fades away. Shepherds are important. They're incredibly valuable. And we need to see them return in a big way. So what happens when we are not properly shepherded? What happens when either we've rejected them in our own lives, and I can say personally, I've rejected teachers and people in my own life because of pride. I've noticed that in myself where I'm like, I know better. No, I don't know better. I'm good. And I've seen myself go down roads where God came to me and was like, because he didn't listen, because you didn't listen to the sound advice that sounded different than what you thought. You didn't get online and you did not submit yourself to someone else in your life. I've seen it in my own life. So we're going to jump into the book of Ezekiel. I love the book of Ezekiel. I've been jumping in there. I love Ezekiel, Revelation, and Jude are my current three favorite books of the Bible. There's something about them that's so wild. They connect so deeply. One's in the Old Testament, but the others connect so deeply to the Old Testament. We need to continue to strengthen ourselves in both Testaments. We cannot separate them. Someone I, thank you. Someone who I will not name, uh, recently famously said, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. And what a lie that is. What a blatant lie that is. The Old Testament holds truths, powers. It's the word of God inspired by Holy Spirit. So a little context for Ezekiel. Israel banished, worshipped idols, did things God said not to do, broke covenant with God. In three separate waves, they all get banished to eventually Babylon. And Ezekiel finds himself there. He's being, he becomes a prophet. He's ordained as a prophet. He was once a Levitical priest. He then is given all these different things to do. And what he finds for almost 34, 35 chapters is why Ezekiel's so great. It is judgment, 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 judgment on you, judgment on you, judgment on your leaders, judgment on the people, judgment on other nations. God's anger has reached his tipping point. And he is a God who does what he says. And you have to get through all of that to get to where God then says, but I will not leave you nor forsake you, and I'm going to bring you back. But this is what Ezekiel has to say about shepherds. 34, 1 through 6. The Lord's message came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the choice animals, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. But with force and harshness, you have ruled over them. They were scattered because they had no shepherd. They became food for every wild beast. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the entire face of the earth with no one looking for them. God literally comes against the leaders of the Israelites and brings 
special judgment against them. He says, and he goes on, Ezekiel 34, 9 through 10. Therefore, you shepherds, listen to the Lord's message. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from their hand. I will no longer let them be shepherds. The shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. I will rescue my sheep from their mouth so they will no longer be food for them. There's a place here in Revelation. The first three books are letters to churches. They're letters to churches with complaints about how their conduct is. Some get praised, but a lot of complaints. At the end, Jesus says, and if you do not change, I'll take your lampstand. I believe God is doing that in churches today. That there are churches we see because of God's good grace, his mercy, and his love for his sheep, that he is saying, you know what? I'm not going to allow this establishment to pull people away anymore. As a brief side note, it's important to know that God judges both the leaders and the people. Leaders for leading people astray. People for not worshiping God and worshiping idols. We have to remember, on the flip side, we have a choice in rejecting sound teaching and leaders. So God is using classic shepherd sheep lingo to show the need for leadership, which brings place to a place of proper standing with God. And the consequences are vivid in Ezekiel. So again, I ask you, Who's shepherding you? Where are you getting filled? Where are you getting fed? Do you like where you've been brought? Do you see yourself and you're like, you know what? Maybe this wasn't the right decision. Are we sometimes like Ezekiel in these places, recognizing the places in, in the world and seeing, you know what, the choices made didn't bring us to where we want to go. This is why I love repentance, man. Repentance is great. It's such a gift. You, you know what repentance says? Thank you. You know what repentance says? You don't have to stay the same. That's what repentance says. It's not just like, oh, I, I did it again. And, and having this contrition, which I believe in contrition. I believe in, in saying sorry to God. I believe in mending that relationship. But repentance is a gift because it says, guess what? You don't have to stay the same. You may have made 99 of the same mistakes, but guess what repentance says? Let's go again. Let's go a different way. And you add you add into that circle someone who can lead you and guide you, you're going to find the success that we're hoping to see in the church. So we're going to get to the solution. This is what I believe God's doing in this time. Uh, you can call it prophetic, or you can call it just something that seems like a good idea, but I believe this is what God's saying. One, I believe God is raising up shepherds in this day who are standing on the truth of Christ's doctrine who are more concerned with the health of their congregation than on befriending the evils of culture. Those who are bowing down to nothing more than clanging symbols of the pseudo-philosophy and letting in wolves who seek to devour us whole are being removed. And God is bringing leaders back to the proper priorities, those who love and care for the local church. That what God takes, gives back in full measure. I believe that's what he's doing. And like, and like I said, I believe that's one, pastorally. Sometimes change happens top down. But I believe he's bringing people in our lives, if we are asking for it, if we see it, he's bringing people in our lives who can shepherd us. Maybe some from places we never imagined. That that spirit of shepherding God has given us. And maybe there are people in your life who God's calling you to shepherd, who God's calling you to lead, and you to guide. Right? This stratified, these layers, 
God, all God's truth is in layers. And so we have head pastors that are amazing. We have side pastors that are amazing. But then we have people that help guide and grow and equip each other. We are a body of many parts, and we need each part. And lastly, thank you. And lastly, this is the biggest part. No matter what, if there's any situation in our lives where we're in waiting, I love that song, that new original song. It's amazing. Just we're in waiting, seeking the Lord in waiting. Some of us might be in waiting. As we look at the Western church, we might be in waiting like, God, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to change things? When's things going to happen? This, 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 and that. In Revelation, it talks about the martyrs who are martyred, and they're crying out to God saying, when is it time for you to bring justice onto the earth? When is it time? When is it time? Often in our lives, we feel like, when is it time? When is it time? When is it time? You know what Christ is saying? In lieu right now, maybe, of shepherds coming into your life to lead you and guide you, when things take time, sometimes raising people up takes time, there is an amazing and mighty shepherd over the entire church. His name is Jesus Christ. Ending with Ezekiel 14 through 16. In a good pasture, I will feed them. The mountain heights of Israel will be their pasture. They will lie down in a lush pasture. They will feed on the rich grass of the mountains of Israel. I myself will feed my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment, 23 through 24. I will set one shepherd above them, and he will feed them, namely my servant David, He will feed them and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. What is he saying? David, the coming of Jesus Christ, was the time of bringing all those who were scattered. And what is he saying today? He is saying, I am over my church. And even if it looks broken and needs to be mended, I am there. If you put your trust in me above man, I will show you who I'm bringing into your life. I will show you the solutions that are coming and I will begin to bandage the wounds of my people. We need people in our life. We need leaders in our life. We need shepherds in our life. God's bringing them. God's growing them. Maybe he's revealing them. Maybe they're there. We had no idea, but you want to know something? He's over them too. God's created such an amazing system where even if man fails, guess who never fails? Jesus Christ.